0: The thought that day was about premeditated praise, where you're just thinking about giving God praise. We're thinking about a lot of things. We're thinking about the grocery list. We're thinking about the, the things to do list. We're thinking about saving for vacation. We're thinking about buying a new house. We're thinking about this. We're thinking about that. We're premeditating things that we end up doing, and sometimes we don't premeditate our And I said something like this. So many times we're waiting for a specific moment to praise. But what if it's our praise that brings about those moments? I think we all want victory and we want blessing but sometimes our worship our praise becomes conditional and the condition is when our need is met when victory happens when we have answered prayer when we have breakthrough then we'll praise in that moment but what if it's our praise that sets up those moments we all want victory we all want blessing we all want breakthrough but what if it's our praise that establishes that sets the path for those moments to happen in our lives so we're waiting for a moment but rather our praise brings the moment and God Joe God has created us for the purpose of praise sometimes I think we forget that the very reason for the existence of creation Stuart is so that we would give God glory I wrote something down that I want to share with you. Let, let me, I don't know if I gave it to the production in the notes, but, but, but can I share it with you? If our praise is connected to whether a certain moment happens for us, then our praise is more inward focused than upward focused. Hold on. If our praise is connected to whether or not a certain moment happens for us then our praise is more inward focused than upward focused grab it receive it can I, can I go further if that is the case then our praise is contingent upon whether God is meeting our need or not so here's the question Are you praising God out of a need or are you praising God out of a relationship? (laughs) There's a difference. David in Psalms 145, he talks about that very concept, that very thought. He says it better than I can. Can we get into it? Can I show you some stuff this morning? Somebody look at your neighbor and go ahead and give them the title to today's message. Can, Can you do that? Just look at somebody and say, raise a praise look at somebody else and say raise a praise online say raise a praise y'all are not online so i don't know why (laughs) y'all raise a a praise let me read to you today out of the message translation I, i very rarely use the message translation but i think today eugene peterson's translation of psalms 145 captures the very beauty of david's words and so here's what david writes david writes verse 1 i lift you high in praise my god oh my king and i'll bless your name into eternity hold on a second he says i i lift you high in praise somebody say raise a praise, raise a praise. say it again raise a, raise a praise verses two and three i'll bless you every day And keep it up from now to eternity. Verse 3, God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. There are no boundaries to his greatness. Are you grabbing these verses? Let me read verses 2 and 3 again for emphasis sake. I'll bless you every day. And keep it up from now to eternity. Why? Because God is magnificent. Somebody say God is magnificent. He can never be praised enough. There are no boundaries to his greatness. Hold on a second. In the original language in verses 1 and 2, David writes something. He says, I will exalt the name of the Lord. I will extol the Lord at all times. I will magnify the Lord. Can I ask you something? Is it possible to make God bigger or smaller? Think about that. Objectively speaking, can we make God bigger? Mm, can we? Think about this with me for a moment. He says, I will exalt the name of the Lord, which means I will lift him high. He says, I will extol the Lord at all times, which means I will praise him enthusiastically. Some of you are like, man, why are we so loud and energetic in here? Because I will extol the Lord at all times. With enthusiasm, and then he says, I will magnify the Lord, which means to make bigger. How can you make God bigger in an objective way? Let me just say, you cannot do it. You cannot make God any bigger. You cannot make God any smaller. God is grand in all of his ways, and sometimes we forget how grand his ways are. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form. And darkness hovered over the face of the deep, and his spirit hovered over the face of the water. And Mike, he said, Let there be, because there was a problem. And so he said, Let there be light. And he suspended in the universe the sun, 93 million miles away from the earth. Any closer, we would burn up. Any further away, we would freeze. It takes over eight minutes and 20 seconds for the rays of light to reach the earth from the sun, traveling at 186,000 miles per second. Can somebody say God God is great? The Spirit, it says, hovered over the face of the water. Scientists tell us that there are 326 million trillion gallons of water on the face of the earth. I cannot even fathom that number. Scientists tell us that there are more than three trillion trees on the face of the earth. I can continue to give you scientific facts that prove the greatness of God, but we cannot make God any bigger and we cannot make God any smaller. The problem is we forgot how big God is. The question is not can we make God bigger? The question is have we allowed a big God to be small in us? So David writes, I will magnify the Lord because he is magnificent. His praise will always be on my lips. There's no boundaries to his greatness. In other words, what what David is writing is that, that, that our praise magnifies God in us. Our praise causes God to be bigger in us. Are you grabbing this? Our praise increases the size of God in us. And so he says, God is magnificent. What keeps us from experiencing what David is writing about, the magnificence of God? What keeps us from experiencing those moments of beauty that we're all hoping for, but yet we seem to miss at times? Can I answer that question for you? Here's why. Our problem is not that we're not magnifying. Our problem is that we've taken our ability to magnify and we're using it to magnify the wrong things. Mm. Let me say it this way. We are good We are good at magnifying the test in our lives, but we're not good at testifying about his magnificence. Lord, I hope y'all came ready to receive some rhymes today. (laughs) We are good with, with, with magnifying the test in our lives. To anyone who will listen. We're not good when it comes to testifying about his magnificence. And so here David says, I'll praise the Lord. Why? Because David is telling us that when you magnify God, God becomes so much bigger in in you. And and, and David is letting us know this. And and, and in many cases, the reason why he's letting us know this is is because we, we tend to not magnify God, but rather we magnify other things. And the reason why we miss the magnificence of God is because we allow the adversity of life to squelch the very praise that God has placed within us. So David says, I'll magnify the Lord. Can I cut to the chase? I'm trying to give you this and tiptoe around it, but I'm not going to tiptoe around it. I'm just going to be honest. We're better at magnifying the need in our lives than we are at magnifying our relationship with him. I'm just being honest and when we're better at magnifying the need in our lives we're 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 telling any and everyone who will listen we're we're talking to any and everyone who will listen we're talking about the need that we have in our lives and and then the next thing you know we've magnified that need so big that it seems like god is small and therefore the, our relationship is more contingent with god it's more contingent upon what we need him to do rather than who he is And because he's not doing what we need him to do, then all of a sudden we begin to wig out because where is God at? I thought he was a big God. And it's all because what you're magnifying, you're you're magnifying, listen, you're you're magnifying your need rather than your relationship with God. You're magnifying your problem rather than how good and how magnificent that, that God is. And so you, you, you magnify your need, you, 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 you stew on your need, and, and you wonder why God's not showing up so you don't go to sleep because of your need. You, 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 you talk to anyone about your need, you're magnifying your need, and so your need is getting so, 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 so big because you talk about it so, 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 so much that it seems huge in the windshield of life and you wonder where God's even at. what are you magnifying? That's a question that I think you need to answer today in your spirit. What is it that you are magnifying? Because if your philosophical view is to to magnify your need, then that just means that your praise is more inward focused than upward focused. That just means that your connection with God is about what his hand can do for you rather than who he is. the creator of the universe when you begin to perceive your need is smaller then your worship gets louder and David is saying that the more you praise God the smaller your need becomes let me give you a little more context to what David is saying Because David is writing this at a time in his life where he's talking about, really, if we were to talk about it in today's vernacular, it's, it's consumer versus contributor. Where David, let me just say this, David wrote 73 psalms. There's 150 psalms in the book of Psalms. David almost wrote half of them. Most of the psalms that David wrote were inward focused. Most of them were about the pain that he would go through, about living in a cave on the run from Saul, but God, you said I was to be the future king. All of the different trials and struggles. And, but this Psalm is different. It's, it's more upward focused. It's David writes this Psalm. Here's what's cool about it. Out of the 73 Psalms that David writes, this is the last one that he writes. It's the last one that his pen captures, which means he's older. And he's beginning to look back on life and he's seeing, hold on a second, there there were times I had no idea that God was even there. But now as I look back on my life, I realize that he was there all along. And so he's writing this, this narrative really as an advertisement to Christ followers that Praise has the ability, when he's looking back at his life and he's wanting to write his last will and testament and he's making this declaration in Psalms 145, basically what he's saying to us, Tim, is that our praise has the ability to swallow up complaints and to swallow up pain. So he says, I... We cannot praise God enough. So he's talking about piling praise on top of praise, on on top of praise. He's just talking about how magnificent God is. And he says, I'm going to continue to praise him all the days of my life, even into eternity. So his focus, unlike the other Psalms that he wrote, his focus here is, is, is more about who God is and how he recognizes that God has been with him all along. So for David he's saying you can't give God a half-hearted praise. We we can't praise praise him enough. And it's like David is saying, yes, you're going to have situations, you're going to have problems, but you've got to pray through those problems. You've got to praise through those problems. And if you are only looking to God for what he can give you with his hand, if if your relationship with God is more about getting from God rather than God doing a work in you. You see, if it's all about what he can do for you when you need something, how you need something, rather than, than God doing a work and so you refuse his, his, his desire to do a work in you and you wonder why your need seems to be so big and your God seems to be so small but when you allow God to do a work in you can I tell you what happens then all of a sudden your heart begins to well up with the courage of the Lord and the thing that you've been needing happening to happen hasn't happened yet, but yet you're still content. You know why? Because your, your contentment is not in whether or not your need is met. Your contentment is in that God is magnificent. You see, so when the thing doesn't happen and that thing doesn't happen when you thought it was happening or should happen, you don't trip out. Why? Because you know that God is a great God and he's still worthy of all of your praise. Are you praising God out of the need or are you praising God out of relationship? David finally gets to this point in his life. Let me show you something else that he shows us. Can I keep keep going? Look at at verse, let me find it on my phone. Look at verse four through seven. I, I love this. In verses four through seven, David writes, generation after generation stands in awe of your work, Each one tells stories of mighty acts. Your beauty and splendor have everyone talking. I compose songs on your wonders. Your marvelous doings are headline news. Somebody say, whew, it's about time. That's the kind of headline news we need, amen? I could write a book full of the details of your greatness. The fame of your goodness spreads across the country. Your righteousness is on everyone's lips. Go to verse 4. Go back to it. Let me show you something. Generation after generation. He's showing us something about how the church should operate. Generation after generation stands in awe of your work. Each one tells stories of your mighty acts. Hold on a second. What is he doing here? He's encouraging one generation, an older generation, to encourage the younger generation. He's saying that this is the way the body of Christ should work. That the older people should be praising God because all that he did and the younger people should be saying, well, I'm praising God for all that he's doing. Do you see what I'm saying? He's saying that the older generation should be encouraging the younger generation in their walk with Christ. The older generation should be testifying about what God did. The younger generation should be testifying about what God is doing because the works of God never cease. If you grew up in church, we used to call that testimony time. Y'all know what I'm, y'all remember testimony time? It was like, somebody got a praise report? And then Sister Sally, she just took the microphone and she just took the service over, you know. It's the praise, listen. The praise report, we did it old school, I know that. But can I tell you something, testifying is praising. That's what it is. He's saying the older generation should be testifying about the greatness of God so that the younger generation will testify about the greatness of God. We are so good talking about the test, but we're not good at testifying about the Christ. We're so good at talking about the test that we've talked about it so much that we know the test greater than we know the Christ. So he says, testify. The older people should be saying, I want to praise Jesus for all that he did. And the younger folks are like, I'm praising Jesus for all he's doing right now. Let me tell you what he did in my life. Can I tell you what he's saying? He's saying praise is contagious. It's contagious. Can can I tell you something I've experienced in in, in just this church? I, I I can be down here and it can be quiet in the house and I'll start clapping my hands and people will start clapping all over. It's not because I'm clapping, it's because they hear somebody clapping. They don't even know who it is clapping. They just hear something, and so everybody else starts clapping. It's contagious. Pray when you can praise through a problem and somebody else gets into a problem, they say, hold on a second, he praised through the problem. And I saw how he went through the problem. I'm gonna praise through the problem. It's contagious. It's like when you're in Walmart, look, we're dealing with COVID. We've been dealing with COVID for 16 or 18 months, and you go to Walmart and all of a sudden somebody goes, <coughs> <laughs> What happens? You're like, oh. <laughs> you're making sure you're six feet apart or three feet or whatever it is the CDC says today. You're like, whoo. You're, you're grabbing your mask. You, oh, get my mask out. I can't get it on fast enough. You're grabbing your shirt. <laughs> Taking a bath and hand sanitizer. Why? Because it, you're, you're, you've heard COVID is, is contagious. Praise is contagious. When you begin to praise God, it causes others to praise. I preached a a sermon one time that says, not pray for others, but praise for others. You got to, you you praise, when you praise God, it it causes others to want to praise God. And he's saying, generation after generation sees the works of your hand, and, and, and you continue to testify about the goodness of who God is, and it causes others to want to testify about the goodness of God. We're so good at magnifying the, the test, but, but we're not good at testifying about his magnificence. I mean, we'll talk and complain about every situation in our lives. Let's just be honest with we're, I mean, we'll all the horizontal things that we can say to all of the people who will listen well man my husband he's a booger he's just a booger and if he don't change i'm telling you if he don't stop listen if he don't start treating me better i'm telling you anyone who will listen sometimes that courage comes out of your fingertips when it's on your social media My kids, they're driving me nuts. I don't know why my child is constantly making these bad choices, these bad decisions. And, oh, I don't know what to do in this financial crisis that I'm in. I just, ah, and you're talking about it and you're talking about it. And anyone who will listen, man, you just tell them, oh, listen, I got to tell you about my financial crisis. It's so bad. You know, I I got a flat tire last week. And on top of everything else, I went home after that and I was saying, honey, can today get any worse? And she looked at me and said, well, we don't have any hot water. I just thought I'd let you know. When it rains, it pours, and we're complaining, and we're complaining, and all of our complaints are just horizontally based, inward focused. I don't know who this is for, but we're living in this political culture, this, this, this cultural environment that we have. There's so much pain and, and discord and problems, and some of you have become cynical because of it, and your cynicism has made its way into your faith and you've become cynical because you'd say, well, I don't know how they can call themselves Christians, and just because they worship or they think a little differently than you, you want to you criticize them. So your cynicism has brought about criticism, and it's all because you are magnifying the wrong thing. Hello? Isn't it quiet up in God's house? Sure. Verses eight. And following, can I keep going? Praise the Lord, because I'm going. God is all mercy and grace, not quick to anger. Is rich in love. God is good to one and all. Everything he does is suffused with grace. Creation and creatures applaud you, God. Your holy people bless you. They talk about the glories of your rule. They exclaim over, over your splendor letting the world know of your power for good, the lavish splendor of your, your kingdom. Your kingdom is a kingdom that's eternal. You never get voted out of office. What? Did y'all see that? Can I tell you something, and this is not a political message, I, I, I don't care which side of the aisle you fall on, left or right, or if you're in the center, I don't care if it's blue or red, I don't care any of that stuff. We put so much emphasis into a, a, an office when God never gets thrown out of office. Do you not think God is in control, it doesn't matter who? And I, while I'm on my soapbox, let me just tell you something. You know you have a responsibility to pray for the leaders who are in office. It don't matter. <sighs> let me get back over here. <sighs> yeah, it is. Amen. I'm glad you said that. Um, God always does what he says and is gracious in everything he does. Huh. Huh. Phone. Give me back my phone. No. No. God gives a hand to those down on their luck. Watch this. He gives a fresh start to those ready to quit. All the eyes are on you, expectant. You give them their meals on time, generous to a fault. You lavish your favor on all creatures. Everything God does is right. And the trademark of all of his works is love. Oh, my Lord. The trademark, somebody say God loves me loves me, God, and the trademark. He says that he gives those who are down and out, he gives them a hand, Mike. He said those who are about to quit, he gives them a fresh start, and his trademark is love. Verses 18, 18, And following, says, God's there. He's listening for all who pray, for all who pray and mean it. He does what's best for those who fear him. Hears them call out and he saves them. God sticks by all who love him, but it's all over with for those who don't. My mouth is filled with God's praise. Let everything living bless him. Bless his holy name from now to eternity. Hold on a second. David is trying to teach us something here. This is the last thing that David could say to us. This is his last will and testament. This is the declaration of his life. It's the last thing that his pen would write for us to worship to. And so many other... Psalms that he wrote were more inward focused about his pain about his problems about his difficulties this psalm listen I I, I left this out this psalm is one of five psalms in the book of Psalms that's written according to an acrostic in other words every single verse starts with the subsequent letter in the Hebrew alphabet it's as if David is saying God is everything from A to Z he's all that in a bag of chips he's everything But right here, he's saying... I'm going to praise you all the time God it's at the end of his life all of his other psalms have been about this inward pain this inward focus and and it's like in this moment that he's saying you know what I can see even though you can't while you're going through it now that I'm old I can look back at all of the trials all of the tribulations all of the situations and I can see that God was with me I can see how he was working with me I could see how now I should have known then what I know now because now I know praise would have unlocked the heavens I know that praise would have been all I know that all I needed to do was raise a praise I don't know who this is for but do not die in your circumstance. Some of you right now, you do not like the position that you're in and you feel like you're going to die in your circumstance. Do not die in your circumstance. Because what David is saying is that if you will magnify God in your circumstance, your position will change. David is saying that if you'll lift up your head and your heart and your voice unto God that all of a sudden when you begin to praise God that your heart will be full of the courage of God and when your heart is full of the courage of God you can grab five stones and begin to swing that slingshot and you can take on that giant when your heart is full of the courage of God you can walk underneath the heaviness of that load when praise fills your heart you can be living in a cave on the run from Saul but focus upon the goodness of God. When praise fills your heart, people may have counted you out, but God will lift you out. When praise fills your heart, you may be in a situation, but the situation will not overcome you. Somebody get up on your feet and raise a praise. Somebody get up on your feet and raise a praise. says: "Praise God, my mouth is filled with God's praise. Let everything living bless him. Bless His holy name. It's our praise that establishes the moment. It's our praise that establishes the moment why do we raise a praise because God is great and greatly to be praised I am not I am not minimizing your need your need may be huge but don't allow your need to become greater than your God begin to magnify God with everything that you are and your perspective over your need will begin to shift it will begin to change things will take place in your life that you never thought would take place in your life Why? Because that's the kind of God that we serve. Somebody raise a praise up in this place.